brothers, would you even consider a duo a fellowship? See, I was I, thinking trio and more. That's that's my fellowship. Because wait, so we're not a fellowship? You guys <laughs> over there? Are not, what? Like, However, yeah. four together are they? So. All four of us yeah. can be a fellowship. Welcome, readers. Reviewers and countrymen, lend us your ears because we have some very special guests today. We have the brothers Gwyn here, Ed and Will. Welcome to the Tudor Ramble podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having us on here. So, yeah, this is my brother Ed and I am Will. And yeah, what an it? intro! What an intro! <laughs> Stunning, <laughs> loved it. Maybe we need to finish that. <laughs> we came up with it ourselves. We've actually trademarked it. So if you guys ever use it on another video, we expect royalties. Read it review as thieves. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're we're embracing our uh, our inner British and you know just taking a little something from some from you guys. You know. <laughs> that is right. Isn't <laughs> Now, on this Tudor Ramble episode, we are talking with the lovely brothers, Gwyn. We're going to go over each one of us has planned a favorite trope of ours we're going to discuss, and then one of our least favorites. And it's just going to be a general trope talk, have some fun, see what it is, and I'm going to cut right through it and begin with whichever one of you wants to go first. What's one of your favorite tropes of all time? How about you kick it off, Ed? Well, my favorite has to be the fellowship trope, uh, even when it's subverted as well. And it's kind of a gang of misfits. Uh, I just always love a group of people, either squabbling or, you know, getting along, really. I don't mind. But uh, as long as there's a gang of them, then I'm happy. That was my number two. I'm so glad because we didn't tell each other beforehand which one we picked. That was my backup in case you guys picked my main one. Nice. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you said fellowships. And what, what are some of your favorite ones with fellowship other than like Lord of the Rings? I, I mean, I love the, the kind of subverted trope of, you know, go with the, the Blade itself and the, the First Law series. That fellowship is oh, yeah. probably my favorite I've read. Oh, you know, Kings of the Wild, that is a great, great band there. I love them getting together. Oh, yeah. It's so funny. Uh, and yeah, just the, yeah, those guys. Obviously, fellowship. You know, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I love it when when they're all you know they all like each other, which is yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, in Grimdark as well. That's probably my favorite. There's, there's, a, there's a bit of sarcasm, they you know, and they uh, they just don't like each other, and that usually I just enjoy that probably a lot more. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Isn't it? oh, yeah. Well, in Grimdark, the the fellowship typically when they even when they're disagree or they kind of butt heads all the time, they're normally like so skilled at what they do that they kind of need each other. And there's that yeah. kind of level of respect of like, man, I don't like this guy, but uh, I really need him. Yes. <laughs> He's good at what he does. The grudging yes. respect. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. But it always makes those fellowships far more fun because it's, it's more of a fellowship of necessity. Yeah, 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 yeah. They got they got to stick together, or they're just going to die. And uh, Michael Fletcher's <laughs> written a really good grimdark series, and the first book's called Beyond Redemption. And it's a it's a group of three, isn't it? It's three yeah. people, and they absolutely hate each other. Like no one could hate each other anymore. <laughs> they all, like you say, they need each other, and it's just absolutely hilarious. Just like listening to their quips and you know their backstabbing remarks. But then <laughs> by the end, they're like, yeah, he's pretty decent with the sword. Yeah. So and we'll, their narratives we'll in their head, they're always just planning how to kill the others, and then. <laughs> Just don't follow through. I'm gonna have to say at the end of the podcast as well, if you guys could rattle off for some of our viewers a bunch of recommendations because you guys I've, we've seen your stuff. And by the way, if you guys are watching the video, go subscribe to Brothers Gwyn, great channel. Um, but they're the second best duo on YouTube, actually. But please you can, send a bunch of recommendations at the end to some, some rattle off at the end because we are way less red. And I'm curious with the fellowship trope, has it ever been done poorly? Because I have not read a book or maybe even seen a movie where I've not enjoyed a band of a band of people going together. Do you know I can't think of anything head, where I'm like, oh, that doesn't gel well. Scan my book yeah, we have to look at our books now. <laughs> I think Yeah, right? I'm about to look actually ooh. Oh, you have one. Well, I I can definitely name some where the fellowship is just not the best part, where it's definitely one of the weaker elements. Okay. So I would say like Lacanus trilogy has a sort of trio fellowship that I just don't like. It's, it's, it's just fine. Not, it's there, but it's not done particularly well. It's not a focus. Yeah. And you love the book for other reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Where something like Kings of the Wild just does it so expertly that I can't. It, it's if I'm comparing it things like to the Kings of the Wild or 
John Gwen's, you know, the yes, yes. uh the Bloodborne saga and I love uh the <laughs> Yeah, like, some oh, guy. <laughs> I won't get the spoilers, but the main fellowship in there I really enjoyed. Uh, actually, there's one there's one fellowship in there that I really enjoyed, and one I didn't. But I think you're supposed to dislike okay. them not as much. So, yeah. but that's beside the point. But yeah, yeah there's you. there's a couple of them that just doesn't work as well. But it's hard to think of though. The fellowship trope is very safe. Have you have you, either of you read or seen a bad fellowship? No, I think I kind of agree with you. There's like when it stands out, it's fantastic and it's yeah. really memorable. But there's not really anywhere I think, oh, that was a terrible fellowship. Um, that's kind of the thing dragging the story down. And uh, yeah, what would, it, what would it have to be? What would it have to be to actually be a f- bad fellowship? What would it take? You don't like the characters? I mean, if it felt very forced, maybe like it. Mm. Maybe was saying kind of those tensions. If it felt forced, I think that could drag it down a bit. Maybe when, like, a fellowship that shouldn't get along together and they don't show any reason why they do. Mm, yeah. Something, like, where they clearly butt heads and they don't like each other, and yet, for some reason, they're yeah, still yeah. together. Yeah, it doesn't feel, um, yeah, they definitely need a big reason to actually be together. Or, or if all the characters are too similar. You know, obviously, when you've got a band, they all need mm. to have their different roles, don't they? You know, you couldn't have Legolas... Not in the fellowship, could you? So that it, maybe if their roles were too similar, you wouldn't enjoy doing that too much. Good point. Actually, that gives me a thought of a fellowship done poorly. Oh, is actually in Star Wars the sequel trilogy, and the specific reason why is because typically in a fellowship, the best kinds is each character kind of has their own role to play in the group. Yeah, and they all contribute something. Where we start off with the Force Awakens and. Ray is kind of like Ray takes so many different roles away from the two fellowship leads. So she can um, fight the fighter, be- pilot. the fighter pilot aspect takes that kind of from Han and eventually from um, oh what's his name Poe Poe Finn? Po. is that oh, uh, Finn. Finn. Yeah. but you know how Finn brings forth like the stormtrooper knowledge and the fighting capability of all this, but then Ray kind of surpasses that and then is a better mechanic and is a better, like I see that yeah. basically overshadows every member of the fellowship that yeah. is in the group. Mm. And so I think that would be example of a bad fellowship is yeah, when characters are deprived of their role where they feel redundant. Okay. That, Wow, that's that's intelligent. Yeah, that's nice. Like, it, it could be like mixing a chosen one with the fellowship. You know, the chosen one, like you say, yes. surpasses everyone else. Mm-hmm. But then the fellowship sometimes might not be needed. But yeah, well, that that's the thing is, just because they're the chosen one, that's kind of like a role. But as long as the fellowship like has their own support role where they do something particularly well, even better than the the chosen one, yeah, then it. Then it's all fine. Oh, like, would we, for example, if we're using the fellowship trope as a really broad term, do we consider Harry Potter a fellowship of Harry? Oh, yeah. Like even the trio or Percy Jackson, a, yeah. because you have you know Percy Annabeth. I mean, you have Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Yeah. That's a fellowship, right? Typically, yeah. a fellowship would be a group of characters that that get together to at the at least at the start for like a common reason of some kind of cause causes a group of strangers to come together. Right. And that's like the forming of a fellowship. So Ron, Hermione, and Harry, I think, would be qualified as a fellowship. Uh, brothers, yeah. would you even consider a duo a fellowship? See, I was I... thinking trio and more. That's that's my fellowship. Cause... Wait, so we're not a fellowship? You guys <laughs> over there are not? <laughs> what? However, <laughs> four together are, though. So... All four of us yeah. can be a fellowship. Yes. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh, I did Pirates again. I always say the Pirates song when I'm trying to sing Lord of the Rings. It's so similar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Ed, Ed, that's a great... I'm so glad you picked my second favorite. It's a, but that fel- Fellowship's amazing. Will, can you top that? Can you top your brothers? Well, and what sure is your favorite? Well, uh, topping, but um, I think another one that has such great potential because as with all these tropes they can be done poorly or brilliantly um i think coming of age um i think it has such just the potential of investing you in a character because there's just something different when you've seen kind of the trials and tribulations and their growth as a child in their formative years to who they are as an adult and you see as they're now facing these challenges um as a very different person it's just the emotional impact it, ju- it just hits in such a different way i 
I do really like. I, I think my my favorite story, uh, my favorite series, an aspect of it is the coming of age aspect of the Wheel of Time. Yeah, for me, that's one of the best aspects of the entire series, and definitely leads to the most grading beginning like it's hard it's especially done really well it it starts in a place of just innocence and naive not uh naivete naivete i don't don't know how to say the word properly it's fine me either i just kind of bs'd it (laughs) (laughs) but it's so grating in the beginning because they're so ignorant but that's kind of the point Mm -hmm. but then it makes it all the more satisfying when they actually do come into their own oh yeah coming of age and coming of age in film tv and books like is it always feels just you have that growth with the character don't you especially especially when you like the character you, i mean that's a necessity you have to like them don't yeah you? yeah and then you see what they've been through through their childhood usually they go through some quite harrowing things because we just like to read about swords and war yeah exactly and, and yeah. yeah and tragedy yeah. just yeah. oh i love a bit of tragedy thousandfold yeah. but <laughs> yeah. i think with um coming of age i don't think books fall into as much of the traps but maybe films and programs they rush kind of the extra coming of age bit mm-hmm. a bit too quickly. So then they're trying to get that emotional investment crammed in yeah. and then jump in. But in a book, obviously you've got the luxury of spending more time with the character. And so I think um, it is a trope that really works well in the book form. Yes. Do you think it has just an element of tragedy uh, when a coming of age story, just almost by its necessity, you see this normally a dramatic loss of innocence? Yeah, 100%, because I don't think I've ever read a happy book. (laughs) (laughs) There's no such thing as a happy book, really. Like, Kings of the Wild, you laugh a lot, but then there's a lot of tragedy as well. Um, And, yeah, so it it definitely is, because they have to go through these tribulations that tie them into kind of the main arc of the story, that give them a drive and purpose. And it's not usually to make more friends. It's usually to... uh, uh, kill or self-preservation or along those lines and so yeah as you said i think you just hit the nail on the head there the loss of innocence and kind of that naivety being stripped away um and it often just feels very tragic when you see how someone has changed so much um and they're pretty hard on the exterior now when they were such a nice happy person in the first <laughs> at the beginning of the story uh i i'm i'm always reminded of like frodo and sam it's one of the uh, especially in the books, mm. when Frodo is, where you see Frodo and from the start of being the older of the hobbits. Uh, spoilers, yeah. I guess. By the way, for yeah, Lord of the, Lord Rings. the Rings, you're <laughs> fine. You're right. fine. <laughs> I guess, but you see how he is a little bit. You know, he he's not as young as the other hobbits, but something that really uh, got me in the books was when he threatened Gollum with the ring of like Gollum you're you're still pining after the ring and if you try so again I will command you by the power of the ring to cast yourself into the fire and just like do not make the mistake and then you see Sam kind of have this different appreciation for Frodo where everyone sees him as uh, naive because of how kind he is and it's just no he's kind but not naive yeah he's actually willing to be a little bit hard and he has this kind of wisdom about him and it's kind of sad to see this hobbit so hardened Mm. yeah and how nice and kind he is and how he's forced to have this edge the other hobbits don't really have to have exactly yeah because whilst it's obviously you're not seeing them as children you're still seeing this as, as you said before that that loss of innocence and it does feel like they grow up so much especially like merry and pippin um, who yes. think they can have a lovely adventure, basically, and um, they're tied by that bond of friendship at the core. Uh, but they're exactly as you said, and at Sam's different outlook and how they see different aspects of the people who they think they know better than anyone else in the world. Yes, yeah. and I, I, you guys already labeled a ton of books that have the coming of age trope that is phenomenal i do want to say the one biggest exception movie wise that might do it better than any book sing street it's just freaking awesome if I, if, I, if you guys I love that movie. love that movie so much have to shout it out if we're talking coming of age so good oh, yeah, i haven't seen it have you no, no. i don't think i have oh, oh you it's a it. british it's irish i think it's it's irish, it's irish let's but, not a fact uh, yeah oh, sorry sorry oh sing, yes i was thinking of the you, cartoon sing. is there a cartoon called sing street I don't know. Wait, is Sing Street in Ireland the Irish band? 
Yeah. yeah. Drive away oh, yeah. to stole it. It's brilliant. Right, we have um, seen that. I love yes. that movie. Good. Yes, good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that movie is we're, awesome. We're about to end the podcast. I love that your reason was that we have to have watched it because it's a British film. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Riddle of the Model, Riddle of the Model is one of the greatest films of all time. Yeah. So, I so can't good. believe that movie didn't win any Oscars for uh, original soundtrack. I know. I know it's it's just very underrated. It's such a good it's criminal. Film. It's hilarious. It is. It's so good. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, when I joined this chat, we were going to be talking about tribes. I did not think that we were going to be talking about Sing Street. Street. <laughs> hey, you never know what's coming here into the ramble, and, and especially this. Like the name implies, we ramble a lot. We, we ramble, and I'm very curious now, Richard. Hmm. What is your favorite trope to throw out towards the brothers? And ah. I, brothers, don't feel free to disagree. Feel free to say the trope's horrible because, <laughs> trust me, uh, Richard. Richard has some takes here. Let's see what it is. <laughs> well, okay, my favorite trope is, I I will specify. It's not the stoic badass. But the retired badass, the one that avoids fights, the one that is so against violence because he's just so good at it. Yeah, it's great. It, that is my favorite character. So I would say one of my favorite interpretations of that would be uh, Logan Ninefingers from yeah. First Law Trilogy. Mm-hmm. That would be like one of the best examples of my favorite trope. That's such a good one. I, oh, that's such a good. It's so, such a good choice. Yeah. So good. I, I really agree. It is fantastic. It's one of those that I think there is a bit of um, authors. I think I have to be a bit careful if it's not too forced. But when it's done right, it can be so just so good. Actually, uh, another good example to to bring out your your father's work is Orca. Yes, that's mm-hmm. the first thing. As soon as he said that, I was thinking of her. And uh, yeah, oh, yeah. It could be said that she has to uh, get involved in some uh, violence, say the least. Yeah, <laughs> but it's I I always love the reluctance and how everyone kind of looks looks at that character as oh they must be weak they're trying to avoid violence it, mm. and just really discounts their wisdom and their experience. Yeah, and they just don't see the they don't see the point in kind of explaining or proving themselves. Yeah, because they're just so done. Mm. And it, it's just this. It's almost this defeatist attitude, but then when they actually come to blows, it's just so easy to them. Yeah, yeah. I always, I love, I love that trope. It's just always so much fun to see other people like discount them and then oh, they just definitely. prove them wrong. Definitely, I think and my the... favorite has to be um, the Patriot with Mel Gibson. Like, I don't oh. know, but the, he, you know, his family think he kind of hides behind them, but he's, you know, he he shies away from any sort of war. To protect them, and then all of a sudden his hand is forced, and it is just done. So he makes well. a decision, and that is it. Yeah, yeah. He goes all in, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's just. Oh, yeah. Was that? Are you guys pandering to Americans here? Did you say the Patriot? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. The, Actually, films. Yeah, we shouldn't enjoy that one. But yeah. <laughs> Another not fantasy book that does it really well is uh, Norwegian by Night. Uh, it was a is a really good book that I I really enjoyed. It's what you said Norwegian by night. Norwegian by night. Okay. It it's more of a mystery thriller type thing where there's okay. this old Jewish man, a uh, World War Two vet that moves to uh, Norway for his sake of his daughter, and basically becomes on the he goes on the run from the police for circumstances, and he's like a a ninety year old man. And everyone kind of like discounts him, and he just constantly showing that everyone kind of thinks that oh maybe he lied about what he actually did in the service, yeah. like oh you were no you were just this desk secretary. He's like, no, I was a sniper, <laughs> and everyone right. doesn't believe him and just keeps underestimating him, and he just shows everyone like you don't mess with a vet, no, <laughs> you don't yeah. mess with um, this world World War Two vet. Yeah, that sounds it's great. It's so good. I think with that trope, it has. The potential to have like one of the best scenes as well. The moment where the character has that turning point, that 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 moment where they have to return to violence, it is so powerful because there's been this whole build up of they won't do it. You've got people disrespecting them, and authors obviously do it in slightly different ways. And it is one of those tropes that you can pin down to a moment, a turning point where everything changes, and uh, mm-hmm. they may be reluctant, but they're still going to do it. And yeah, so when I often oh, think yeah. on books that have that trope. I, the, the scene where that happens usually just springs to my mind really vividly. Well, the, the trope also lends to two specific scenes. Like, you don't just get the one scene like that. You actually get two. Like, you get the audience. So the readers 
reaction like the reader doesn't know that they're a badass and mm -hmm. so you get that surprise yeah and then once you once the reader knows they're a badass you then get the second scene of the character in the story doesn't know the other character's a badass and so you get their discovery it's almost double dipping yeah, 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 yeah. that same surprise and yeah, yeah. same experience that's really cool it's it's using that was a dramatic irony of when mm -hmm. one person's in on it the other isn't yeah, that, yeah. yeah, that's great. That's great. And you, I haven't read First Law yet, but you told me uh, Abercrombie does that quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Right? Where, where it, he keeps you, he lets you know something the characters don't, or vice versa. Some characters know things that other characters don't, and you're waiting to see that reveal in the following chapters. That's the best. I think what makes Joe Abercrombie so good, and what I would say he's a, he's a master storyteller, is how he plays with character and reader knowledge. Mm. That sometimes characters know things the reader doesn't and re and sometimes the reader knows things that the character doesn't and eat and you just kind of all juggling that and it leads to so much tension and um, just surprise i absolutely love it yeah absolutely so, it's fantastic the use of misinformation as well and i think uh Abercrombie, especially in the sequel trilogy where these new characters they believe certain things and kind of looking at the history and they're just so wrong in so many ways. <laughs> and you know the moment's going to come where they're going to realise this whole kind of vision of theirs is going to come crumbling down. And you're so right. You feel that tension building as you feel like you're getting closer to that moment. Well, brothers, how would you uh, how would you rate his, Richard's retired badass? You, you approve? Any, any complaints? Yeah, it's, it's a, a thumbs great up one. Me, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, he picked a good one. <laughs> All right, now, you know. now you have to top it. Uh, listen, I topped every single one of you with this one, okay? I okay. I searched the web. I searched every story in my life. And went, you Why didn't do search your soul. You searched the web. I searched okay. the web. I, it's not, I actually, I don't even think this. I just went with a poll online. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there were so many I was going through, and I'm going to cheat here and say my special mentions. The Empire is Falling that one the lost civilization that one the, all these really cool world building ones but the one that took the cake i love characters the most and every single story i ever looked at i looked at all my favorites and went why do i like this why do i like this they all had this one thing in common hmm. redemption arcs or oh, yeah. lack of redemption arc so the the <laughs> redemption as in i'm i'm talking i'll, I'll do things that everybody knows obviously you're boromir Mm -hmm. Someone like that. We even have a Boromir character up on up on our set over here. But even on TV, Zuko, Mad Max, Nux. You have Severus Snape. You have your all-time best. And I'll, I won't say like any Stormlight archives. But one of my favorite characters there. Everyone I could think of. You have your Darth Vader has his redemption arc. Every good character that I get. There's obviously ones that don't fall under this. But I love a good story of where you see the person go through everything, and they they've even done something evil actually evil in their past and they're almost in how do you redeem someone like that and it's just such a you kind of look at your own life and go okay i've done bad things but not that bad like this guy's irredeemable and then them redeeming themselves also gives you of you know i can look to my future it just gives it's you that cathartic. little it's cathartic yeah. of man if that person could redeem themselves what can I do? It's, it's that. And it's also to see it, the, it's some of the best character growths I've ever seen. And also when it's subverted and you think they're going to get redeemed, but I won't give spoilers to my favorite stories that do this. There's two in particular, but it would actually be like a big spoiler if I said what they were. So two, like two of my favorite books have this where the character is getting on that redemption path and just about, and you see them on that, on that tip, on that clip, they're just about to get there and they die. Mm -hmm. And you just all of what could have been. And now you're thinking of that and you're going, oh my goodness. And it just hits me so hard. That's my favorite trope. You know what I have to say? I hadn't even thought That's of that. One. It is a, a great one. one where, mm -hmm. because you've got that investment again, don't you? And also that uncertainty of what what's going to happen. As he said, are they going to redeem themselves? Are they going to have that like defining moment, which will change how they're viewed? And as he said, that kind of relationship that you can have with yourself, that, if they can redeem themselves, it, what does it mean for us? And uh, I think books that are kind of, when I look at my favorite books and what elevates them above, maybe the ones that I really enjoy but don't think about as much, it is that kind of uh, ever-changing relationship that I can relate to myself. Yeah, definitely. And I think, and I don't, I hope this isn't, I mean, everyone's seen Avatar Last Airbender, right? So I'm, I'm oh, trying no. not, I'm not, I'm trying not to get into big book spoilers, but <laughs> yeah. Avatar, obviously like with Zuko, something so simple. He's my favorite character. I mean, Iroh, okay. Besides Iroh, you got your Zuko, you've got your, 
I just everyone I I've ever thought of and Darth Vader such an iconic villain mm -hmm. who at the very end it's not like one of the best on it's just iconic though and it's it's mm -hmm. you know it's very memorable but Rich do you have the brothers are being very nice to me so do you have anything <laughs> that, do you agree that it's a good show would you, would you admit it oh I don't know it's a little broad for me I, I don't know if that really counts uh, I knew it. <laughs> but you like no, it, no that's that is actually really fair that some of the best character work can be done through redemption mm. and I think in addendum to that my my favorite implementation of a character arc has been when the hero needs redemp redemption so when mm -hmm. like the hero actually in the course of trying to do good does like evil things mm -hmm. and so yeah. it's kind of corrupted along their path and they have to redeem themselves back to being a hero it's like that ethos for, like the greater good isn't for it for the greater good yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, my favorite redemption arc has to be Red Dead Redemption 2. I mean, the, the clue is in the name, isn't it? Red Dead is, yeah. That's, Morgan. that's very yeah. true. Oh, God. That, that was a great game. Yeah. So, so, I've never played, but should I play? Is it that good? Is it it's, it's, it's an amazing game. Yeah. I mean, okay. I think it might ruin all other games for you if you play. Oh, no. Okay. I do cry. Yeah. yeah. Regularly. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Often. Yeah. I, I get so addicted to games, I have to stay away from them. I, I yeah. love games so, so much. I My favorite game of all time is Minecraft. I love me some Minecraft. <laughs> I just And uh, you haven't played in like, well six, over a year? Years. Yeah. No, it's like six years. Yeah. <laughs> I have a sport where I'll play for like two days and do nothing else, but yeah. <laughs> like a once a year a tradition. But man, I love Minecraft. Red Dead Redemption, I've heard nothing but great things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, the reason why it's great is the story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, brothers, yeah. would you say the the story's just really good? I mean, as a as a bit of a horse and cowboy nerd, like I just ride around and you know wear different clothes and do <laughs> yes. different horses. I love that. Like the immersion for me is amazing. But yeah, you get behind this character and the story that he goes through, the arc and the redemption mm. is just so sweet. It's done so perfectly, yeah. and it mixes my favorite trope as well of a gang. So you know, yeah. what could be better? Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. that is true. Oh, okay, and, let's see it. Red Dead Redemption Two has, it has redemption. Mm -hmm. It has your fellowship. Does it have your your badass? Does it have coming of age? It has your badass. I don't know if it has your reluctant retired badass. Okay, yeah. it's more like out front, and then yeah, they <laughs> they're open. It's, it. <laughs> it's kind of a it's a known. He's a known yeah. badass, yeah. which is not the same. Okay, I mean he's a bit uh, reluctant, well, but he's not holding back. Yeah. <laughs> it has a lot though oh, yeah. imagine we collect all four of our infinity stones here all four of our favorite tropes mm -hmm. into a story if hey if any commenter out there can think of a story that includes all four of these tropes put it in the comments below because I don't know if we can come up with one at the top of our heads it's that would, a lot that to would cover. be a great thing to read though I would enjoy oh, that a lot yeah. oh I'd imagine love that, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. but it would be the ultimate book <laughs> a fellowship oh, yeah. coming of age retired badass redemption story in I'll time. be honest. I think Wheel of Time has all of those. I mean, it's fourteen books, so it you is. know, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but it has all those. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. That's fair. But it has every trope, probably. <laughs> it has most of them. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's enough gushiness. Are you guys ready to get down and dirty with our least favorite tropes? Yeah. Right, I'm ready. ready. Let's get mean. Let's do it. Okay. Let's get me. Let's do it and call off. If if you feel free to call out authors too, you know, if you just want to get. <laughs> so again, ruin our chances of ever getting yeah. interviews. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> call out your dad if you want to. Just <laughs> pop a quick. That that's true. Yeah. That is. Yeah, yeah, we do have to. <laughs> now, uh, Ed, we st you started last time with Fellowship. How about you go ahead, start off with what's your one of your least favorite tropes ever? I'm happy I get to go at the beginning because then none of you can, can steal it and I can say I had the idea <laughs> yeah. all along. But hey, guys, a little quick intermission here. Our, we had some technical difficulties, but thankfully the Gwen brothers uh, graciously had their end recording. So we're going to actually transition to their recording of the continued conversation be a little bit dip in quality from our end, but... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. We spent all day working on a fix, so hopefully, will not happen again. Yes. So this is from phone quality. You will not see our visuals since our cam shut off mid recording. We have the first half for you. Next half, you will see the brothers go in and you'll hear our audio and you'll still have all of that. It is fixed. We spent all day. You can see we're recording much later. I don't know if you can tell us much later, but enjoy the footage and the rest. Brothers Gwyn, here it is. Let's say the, the Mary Sue, Gary Stu kind of character where yeah. they're just perfect to everything. I mean, you know, I, I like people being good at things as much as the next man, unless the next man is Patrick Rothfuss. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you also hate Name of the Wind? See, I don't hate it. I, as, oh, a, hate I re- too, as a child, I absolutely loved it. But when I read The Wise Man's Fear, this is at a period of my life when whenever I read anything, it was, you know, I, I would only say good things about it. And I read The Wise Man's Fear and it really, it really upset me. Just how good he was at mm. everything. And it was just like, come on. I mean, as a teenager, for a teenager to be saying, is this realistic? Yeah. Obviously, it's a fantasy world, so how realistic should it be but it just yeah that upset me that's too far yeah the dragons are right they've made it well <laughs> do the crazy magic yeah that's fine but not i i, I agree that with for me the the story was just boring mm. like i i disliked it so much because it's a mary stew and i didn't like there's no character i particularly liked yeah none of them i wanted to follow and then beyond that it was just I don't know how you make dragons boring. <laughs> it's a talent. How do you do that? That's the oh, only man. story where dragons are boring. I, I'm else. scared to reread it because now, as I've grown as a reader, you I, just I know don't know if not. I will. I think my, my teenage idolization of Name of the Wind will come falling Cracking down. Cracking down. Yeah. yeah. The, the, one, the one caveat to the book is it is written beautifully and yeah. it has especially one scene that has stuck out to me all this time of, yeah. it's written so well that i've never gotten that kind of emotional experience from a scene and it's a scene writing about mu- a musical performance yeah yeah and i think it's done better like a lot of books have where they have like a poem and like oh they're singing in a tavern and all that but name of the wind is actually able to somehow in literary form get you to feel like music is being played mm-hmm I, that's never happened to me before. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been repeated. Mm. That's incredible praise followed up by... <laughs> by my least favourite book. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. Like a yeah. backhanded <laughs> compliment. <laughs> that, hey, that's a great one. Mary mm. Sue can't complain there. No one likes a Mary Sue. No. I, I'd say maybe one... Like Mary Sue, Gary Sue, one caveat being... I don't even know if this is considered. Because there, there's a big caveat. But you're Superman... You're James Bond, you're kind of Paragorn character, mm. which I guess they're they're a purposeful Mary Sue. I guess the worst ones are well, accent. Uh, uh, Mary Sue and Gary Sue are not necessarily there because they are powerful. It It is a flaw of some, they have to but, have some type of flaw. Yeah, of Superman's type. his relationship. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. It's not just he's it, no flaws whatsoever. There's there's still a conflict. Exactly. Yeah. So if, if a character is physically powerful they have some type of character flaw that makes it an issue Mm. or if the versus some a good character but has an external problem has to overcome but has to have some type of problem a gary stew or mary sue has no character flaw and doesn't have really any external problems either yeah i I think pierce brown he has that kind of character in book one of red rising but mm. as of Golden Sun, probably page three, 
that is completely <laughs> changed. So Which yeah, that's where I story, get behind yeah. Red Rising big time. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the character. Which character? Oh, so don't tell me. Don't tell me. Oh, I know. You're going to read. I'm this actually soon. reading Red Rising right now. <laughs> and then I think have you read the Poppy War? I have. So I, I think particularly like it. Yeah, that's the main detracting factor for me was that she like goes to this school basically and mm. they've trained since they were four-year-olds and she's kind of the odd one out and then she does like a martial arts competition and just through using her intelligence she manages to beat everyone uh and I, it's just too much and with all the academics of it as well that she was just the best at everything just all of a sudden maybe we're just jealous at people who can fight <laughs> and they're really clever <laughs> yeah but it just felt it it's when it's unearned isn't it like when someone earns it they that they grind for it it feels so good when they finally get there and i think book two was a bit better by not having as much of that or i could kind of look past it but um yeah that 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 really upset me with book one that's that's fair i i couldn't get behind it because i just didn't really care about the characters at all and i didn't care to follow them yeah but on paper i mean she does have character flaws i think yeah yeah I mean, th there there's some there's some serious like she's kind of messed up in the head mm -hmm. um but yeah I, I just i couldn't get i couldn't get into the book unfortunately that's the thing you, you gotta have a, an attachment don't you and usually that comes in the form of the characters um 99 percent of the time and if kind of an author kind of uh like with grimdark i think that like driver crombie does it in amazing ways where as we were talking about before the redemption arc they can do terrible things but you can still be rooting for this person but yeah i think the poppy wars just i didn't feel that kind of attachment or um there was nothing i was rooting for so when maybe a shocking event happened i was like oh okay well it, it didn't go away or towards what i want from the story it's yeah, not all about fair. you, Will. You can't, you can't choose what's written. I'm sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm getting too self-obsessed yeah. with my wonderful stories. <laughs> well, hey, well, so, Ed, I got to say, you also picked my backup one for my least favorite as well. No worries. Similar to my, hey, if no one says it, I got to say it. That's my turn. I know no one's going to say my... My oh, same, same. Stuff. We're safe. We're, there's I'm, I'm Will, a Will, there's no way you're about to say it. I hope, I hope you do. It's Will, it's Will, Will. <laughs> yeah, Will, I, I really it? don't think I will. I've gone a bit obvious. I think um, the the long lost royalty who they don't know they are the lost king or prince themselves. That oh. I don't like. I really because it, it just often it doesn't actually add anything to the story, and then it's just this huge revelation of oh, well, coincidentally, this person who's been pivotal. Um, the way we get an army or whatever we need to help actually win the main quest is, oh, you are the long-lost king, um, or something like that. I'm, I'm assuming you don't have Tangled in your top three films. Oh, the thing is, every trope can be done brilliantly, <laughs> can't it? And that is that is an exception. That is, I love Tangled. It's it so, so good. It is a very good film. And that's, it's great. That, that, that's well, the thing. Yeah, that trope, that trope, I didn't think, it's, it's not one of my least favorite, but I could totally see mm. how it's just done poorly so often. Yeah, like, that's I can what see I mean. how it maybe takes away from the character's accomplishments, where mm. a character goes through all these trials and tribulations and then becomes respected and all of these things, and, and becomes basically a leader and brings hope to people. And then it's like, oh, well, actually, he's the long-lost king. It was kind of destined. And yeah. you get kingship based on just your bloodline yeah. rather than, like, He's the chosen. It's a bit like exactly. uh, You've really... Stardust by Neil Gaiman, isn't it? Although I really love the film. Um, it still does that, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, at think... the end, he's been mm. through so much. But is he is he meant to be the king? You know, but yeah, exactly. just because of his bloodline. He's they... like, ah, that's mm. very lucky that he's the king. That, what a result. That's what I mean, because you want relatability with the yeah. characters, don't you? You want them to feel human. And when it's especially annoying to me, like um, I loved when I was younger, the series The Belgariad by David Eddings. And... You go through like a few books of just really feeling like you're engaged with this main character. You feel like I could be him. He's he's a young boy around my age, and then suddenly he's the long lost king, and yeah, he's not relatable anymore because it was all destined, and he's got this whole lineage behind him. You know, I will say I think the caveat to the long lost king trope would be if the story actually kind of tells you early on that's the long lost yeah. king and puts the immense stress and the character mm -hmm. like feels the weight of the responsibility and mm -hmm. that's kind of their struggle through yeah. the story yeah like aragorn that's brilliant because you yeah. know the, you know the entire time his aim is yeah. that he is going to return and be the king 
But um, it, the difference is b because he knows that, and it's kind of as you mm. said, it weighs heavily on him, and it it comes a lot into the character and their growth from the very beginning. Yeah, it's not like coming out. like out of nowhere. Yeah, like I would actually say uh, the the dragon dragon bone chair. Mm -hmm. The uh, what? It, oh God, Ted Williams. Ted, Ted Williams. Williams. Yeah, memory, sorrow, and thorn. But uh, yeah. Oh. Mem yeah, the mem Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn yeah. uh, series. Um, spoilers, I guess, by the way. Uh, <laughs> big spoilers or small? <laughs> small. Skip 30 seconds in the, view in the video. It's actually big spoilers. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> I will hold my skip ears. Skip 30 seconds. <laughs> we, were, we were just erased from my memories, but it's fine. <laughs> And everyone, yeah, anyone yeah. who's watching Wait, can as well. The brothers too, they oh. might not have read it. Just that, assuming they read No, no, I, I've, I've read it, but Ed hasn't. Um, but, so so I've spoiled that... enough things for Will, so oh, I guess this has uh, come up. And, uh, I won't say what in case someone will be really upset, but yeah, Ed, I'll, so Ed I'll read... Just, I'll just stop there. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so don't skip the video. <laughs> Ed read Dune, and he said to me, oh, it's great, but um, it, it was a lot worse because there's a spoiler in the blurb, so don't read it. And then he told me what oh. that spoiler was. <laughs> and I just stared at him yeah. like, why? And then he realised, he's like, oh, well, I'll kind of just yeah. ruin that then. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that story was... Mm. Oh. But, um, you just gave up on a spoiler there. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. just, yeah. just forget it. It's fine. It'll, it's all right. Anyway, Tad Williams. Yeah. yeah, Tad Williams, great. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> oh, but yes, the... The whole lost royalty trope, mm. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with everything here, especially when you kind of find out later, later mm. on. And that's, that, it, it, I guess it kind of jumps over the obstacle in the conflict and makes the conflict easier. That's mm. when it seems to be done poorly. Yeah. Is it gets them over, it, it doesn't seem like it was of their own fruition. Exactly. If they find mm. out their king after they went through the struggles of their character arc and their story, then becoming king is just like, Oh, it's a, it's like the it's like the cherry on top, but yeah. it does, it's not really that significant to their character. Yeah, yeah I've never been like yes, I've yes, never been really... a king. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> and I was oh, going yeah. to actually choose a different trope. I was going to choose insta love, but then I'm reading. Is this um... you slyly trying to choose two? No, 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 no. I'm I'm, I'm actually going to tell oh, a story okay. here, <laughs> and uh, trust me, yeah, trust okay. me. And uh, but I'm currently listening to um, an indie published series by Rob J Hayes. And there, he uses this, but in a way where it actually plays into the magic system in the world, which was really good. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll put that as my second least, because it can still be done well. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. With uh, Insta Love was also on my list as well of backups, and I stopped myself because I'd read I'd read a couple stories now of where I'm like, ah, I didn't mind that. that was, <laughs> it was done well. I guess the yeah. the really bad tropes are all tropes can be done well, mm -hmm. but the bad tropes are the ones you see done poorly a lot, I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or at the very least, at its best, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I think, um, like, with the Fellowship one, obviously, it's not done brilliantly every time, but when it's not done brilliantly, it's not the kind of main detracting feature of a book, is it? Whereas I think with these right. tropes, maybe we're all talking about now, if they're done poorly, then it's something that really sticks out and bugs mm -hmm. you. And it's never the selling point, isn't it? You're never like, oh, I love this book because I had insta-love. It was so good. <laughs> Whereas you, I would say I love this book because it had a veteran, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and now, Richard, it's your turn to tell the brothers, tell the audience, okay. what is your least favourite trope? And I do know what it is, but I can't wait to hear it. I, uh, oh, my God. I... It bothers me now way too many times. And it's the trope of, in a story, if you are explaining the plan, if if you're talking about, like, the characters go, okay, here's the plan, and they go over the details of the plan, you immediately know that the plan is going to fail. <laughs> and then if, but if they have, like, okay, here's the plan, and then the end chapter and yeah. the next chapter is, like, them starting the thing, then you know, oh, something unexpected is going to happen, but that's going to be part of the plan, and yeah. the plan's going to succeed. So it ruins it every time for me. I notice it every time now <laughs> that when, like, they go, okay, here's the plan, end chapter. I'm going to go, oh, okay, so the plan works. Yeah. The plan succeeds. It happens every time. I don't know how, how do you, I don't know how you write around that. How do you subvert that? Yeah. I have no idea, but it happens don't every time. Don't make a plan. And that trope <laughs> bothers me. 
The best way of doing it is how Jabra Combi, they ha he they've come up with a plan of I think attacking a, a, a group that are in the wild. And then, but then the leader forgets to tell them um, what the sign to start the plan is. Is it? Yeah, so yeah, then, yeah, yeah. So then oh, the whole yeah. the character's wondering the whole time. He's like, "But when do I? When 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 do I, when do I, do I, do I go? actually start?" Yeah. yeah. So then the whole time, and then that's how you do it well, in my opinion. But then it's hard to do that seven times in a book. Yeah, then, but do he does it brilliantly. Yeah. Then, yeah. But uh, I think the real key to it is you do it multiple different ways throughout the story. So mm -hmm. you have it where they explain the plan. And then the plan succeeds. Mm -hmm. and, hey, this is a this is a winning moment. Then they explain the plan, and the plan doesn't succeed, or they they don't explain it, and it also doesn't fit. So you have to play around with it. You have yeah. to not do it the same every time. Yeah, and that will kind of like trick you. I do really but see what you the mean, most though. Part, yeah, definitely. I, I've seen way too many times where the story goes, "All right, here's the plan," and that's the last line of the chapter. And yeah. I was like, oh, "Okay." Dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I can, that's my least favorite. Trip. I think now, I think you might have ruined probably the next, probably ten of the next thirty books I'm going to read because it's going to say <laughs> that, and then I'm going to be like, "Well, actually, this plan works," and it's really going to jump out at me. <laughs> it, it does happen. It's a big movie thing too. And oh yeah, you always see the cut to black. You see, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I'll leave it at that for for because I, I haven't read too. Oh, I could spoil so many books that way. <laughs> I could just name several books where that happens oh, over and over. And say the plan works. There, so that that's your least favorite ever. It, it's, it's one of the worst. Yeah, yeah. It, for some reason, it just grates me the wrong way. Mm. Yeah, it's ones that are okay. like aggravating, even if you think it shouldn't actually annoy me this much. Yeah, that I find are the ones that yeah, ruin your mind. Yeah. yeah, that I will linger on and it will ruin my mood <laughs> for weeks to come. <laughs> oh man, food so, will taste worse. Drink won't taste of anything because <laughs> I'll be thinking of that trope. <laughs> so we've got now just to summarize we have ed had the mary sue will had lost royalty and you have the the plan the, the plan <laughs> it's never subverted i've got one that i think the brothers might actually disagree with. we'll see i'm prefacing it so you'd be nicer to me when i say this <laughs> so i will there was a couple that that could have made it mary sue was one of them you stole it it's the love you already mentioned it those so those didn't make it the one that did, and I the when I see this done poorly, I hate it so so much that it's my worst. It's my least favorite ever. It's the and I will caveat this afterwards, but it's the stop teasing us, man. Listen, listen, listen. I'm getting I'm getting that retention up. So listen, get get down in your seats. Lean into the lean into the microphone or not microphone. You're listening, so audio, whatever. Your headphones, okay. I can't kill the bad guys trope. The trope. The trope. And okay, Batman aside, forget Batman for a second. It's, the, oh, it's so bad. It's the just for, for a second, forget Batman because it's done well sometimes, it's done poorly. But the trope of I'm the hero and I can't kill the bad guy because I'm as bad as they are kind of trope can be done well. Again, done, mm -hmm. mind you, it can, but it's done awfully several times. Several times I've seen it and I'm More it's often. so frustrating. One, yeah. because a lot of the times you'll see this person destroy a bunch of henchmen that don't matter and then comes to the big bad villains like, no, I'm, I'll be worse than them. What? You just killed Steve <laughs> and Jimmy and you killed everybody. But now when it's the actual worst guy, you won't get... So it's the worst. I, I hate it so, so much. And then sometimes it is done... It, and when it is done to the extreme of I won't kill anybody, right? I, you, you don't even kill the henchmen. You won't kill the villain either some it's sometimes really frustrating because you don't understand why as much it, yeah. it's really tough to get you into a character's point of view of ultra pacifist yeah like ultra to the point of you won't defend yourself pacifist that's what i like the extreme extreme uh, mind you maybe there, there's there's caveats out there but generally speaking it's really hard for me to connect to a character and there's one in stormlight actually it's Stormlight's my favorite series ever but there's also movies that do this there's books that do this and it's it's some of my least favorite stuff when i see it. it's just oh, i want to like, grind my teeth i, yeah, I can like, tell you they're enslaving the human race they're killing everyone just yes. just kill him please just, please. just end him <laughs> just do yeah. it it's time he needs his you know his comeuppance come on it's like that classic in a film you'll see like the camera will just be like their sword is just above them for like five ten seconds <laughs> yeah. they're looking into each other's souls and then they put their sword down their stuff in the back or something. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Yeah, no. It, I will say there's a couple times where it's done well. So Daredevil in particular, I mm. think, is done way better because it ties into his Catholicism and mm -hmm. it's 
done incredibly well. And I haven't seen Daredevil, but I believe you. I've heard great things. But, yeah, no, but then, the, yeah, the amount that he beats people up. <laughs> Surely someone's died from some sort of concussion. <laughs> They've gone to sleep or something, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe. But it makes sense. It, it, there's at least a good motivation there, yeah. and it's also hiding back. Like, he wants to. He He's fighting with himself of like, oh, no, I want to kill him. Yeah. I, I'm... You can relate to him more. Exactly. It's, it's the problem when you can't relate to the character's motivation there. Mm. Yeah, and it's more of the character's like, I will not let the villain, you know, change me. I'm not going to let you define me. Mm. I mean, so it it's handled well. Like Batman and Joker kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. I think less so with Batman and Joker to the point of, like, there there, there does come a point with it's like, just... Just kill him. Because he's killing so many people, <laughs> yeah. Maybe but when he's, he's been he's... prison like the twelfth time and then Joker's escaped again. Well, it's like it's time. It's time. <laughs> I don't know why one like just they, they get him in prison and why doesn't just one cop go in there with a gun and shoot him and go like, What are you gonna do? Are you gonna arrest me for shooting Joker in the head? Yeah. Really? What court? Wait. Whatever what court is ever gonna Well, convict? now you just ruined Batman for me, so <laughs> Listen, don't don't try to take my least favorite trope for yourself. Here, okay? <laughs> this is mine, and I will say, uh, Bat Batman. At least I understand. I still don't. I I still would just say kill the Joker. That's just me, my friend. You know, I just say, hey, dude, he's killing so just end it. <laughs> but I understand the Batman. You get his backstory. At least you understand why he doesn't want the Joker to change him. Mm. Makes more sense. At least it's written. And I mean, there's so many variations of Batman. It depends on yeah. which one we're talking about. Mm. But. Generally speaking, it's it's one of the least grievous, the least sinful of the bad trope of the bad guys killing people of what I've seen. Yeah, but yeah, and I think I, I like I, that in in maybe the Batman trilogy kind of the films that everyone thinks of is there is a moment yeah. where he actually does kill someone, um, uh, and so it, it, that build up of I won't kill him and then he does it makes it very powerful. And um, I think it's an interesting trope, isn't it? Because I think sometimes I like it, but it can very easily be over overdone like if it's throughout the entire book um but i think maybe if it's just at the beginning and you have that turning point pretty early on it's all right but i totally get what you mean where they they killed all the henchmen and then oh actually this it, because they're the boss i can't kill them uh, it just yeah, makes no sense oh yeah. because this person has committed, yeah because this person has committed more atrocities it means i'm going to be more like them if i kill them i should kill nicer people and no, it's you all should right. get a medal for wiping out someone that does exactly. a lot of bad yeah. uh, no it's just that's where it's just like this is silly Jeremy can literally never see his children again. You killed twenty <laughs> Jeremys and you won't kill the big bad. I just it's the worst. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I agree with you. However, there's a there's a few stories where <laughs> that kind of ultra pacifism is actually shown in the light that it really should be as being moronic and there's real consequences to that kind of thing. Sure, sure. And I really enjoy that where you kind of see like yeah, they're ultra pacifists, and they're supposed to be like, "Oh, that they're really good." And then you see the negative consequences of them just being so pacifistic, where they won't even defend themselves mm. or their loved ones, mm -hmm. and it's kind of horrific. And everyone in the story is kind of like, "You guys are crazy. Yeah, you guys are nuts." And there's a re like, it, it at least makes sense. It's done poorly when that ultra pacifism mm. is shown as a virtue. Yeah, and I think that's where it really comes from yeah because there's, the, there's uh, the two different theory uh, philosophies there we go and oh, so you've you got go. like kantism which is you won't commit any deed of any minute evil even if it pre prevents great evil being done mm -hmm. whereas being utilitarian you will do something bad if it saves people or it helps more in the good um and it just feels like logically that's what you should be like instead of oh if i let this person live uh they may kill ten thousand people but at least i didn't do something bad well i think that's that's really the thing is death is not necessarily evil in and of itself mm. And murder, murder certainly is. Yeah. But death, like self-defense would not be murder. Yeah. There's plenty of cases. In all honesty, execution for, you know, like, you know, someone's done all these terrible things and they're brought in and they're executed. That's not murder. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, you have forfeited, uh, you as a human being can forfeit your right to life. Mm -hmm. Like, if you try and take someone else's life, you have now forfeited your right to life, to live. And so, therefore, taking your life is no longer murder. 
Yeah, well, it's like, it's... if you think of every fancy book, or 99%, the main protagonist has had to kill someone, mm -hmm. and but you're still meant to be rooting for them. Yeah. Again, for yeah, the greater yeah, good. For the greater good. Greater good, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's the reasons behind it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I will say, I'm backtracking like two minutes here when you couldn't say philosophy for a second. I was really going to make fun of you, and I remember you weren't Richard. And I was like, oh, I should, I should probably hold my tongue. That's like more of a thing. I was, I was so, it's just a knee-jerk reaction around this pod. I like to make fun of him on words. And he, it's just, I'm so sorry. It was just a thought. I had to say it. I felt like I, I, I felt like I felt comfortable enough to say it to you guys. So there you go. Oh, that's fine. You know what? Um, I'll just do it later anyway. So yeah, exactly. I've got it. I've got it coming. I've learned to do it off camera, so you don't beat uh, the hell out of me. So uh, yeah. we have our animosity on camera. Yes, it's all displayed. That would be better. Us, uh, our little edge, our YouTube. Yeah. Well, we've <laughs> actually had some comments on our channel that sometimes Ed will just randomly just kind of like punch me on the arm or something, or like pretend <laughs> strangle hey, me. If I punch or, you, you'd know about it. Yeah, or okay. he'll like pretend <laughs> strangle me, but then like throw me around the room, and then people are like, wait, this has been like four videos in a row. <laughs> like what is going on and so yeah that bit i think is kind of the longer the channel goes on it's kind of the real ed is being shown but the more cormac mccarthy you read the more you start acting like <laughs> one of his characters okay it's fine uh, you are being banned from any cormac mccarthy <laughs> no just to did. get back at him every video you should show up with another painted on bruise on one of your eyes <laughs> <laughs> she's like guys it's been rough the punches are getting worse in like the brand of like ed just on my forehead <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so we we covered our four favorites our four least favorites anyone uh, anyone watching listening let us know if you agree or disagree with those mm -hmm. but i also want to give the brothers a chance we said this earlier in the video any any books recently that you want to highlight that you really loved and wanted to tell our audience and of course and let everybody know where they can find you mm -hmm. at and we'll conclude it with that and before that i want to say thank you very much for coming this was awesome but go ahead mm -hmm. take the floor thank you brothers oh thank you so much this has actually been just so awesome so it's, fun. it's awesome to talk about kind of the aspects that make our favorite books great and then mm -hmm. maybe things that kept a book away from being one of our favorites it's really interesting kind of diving into those kind of finer elements of a book and yeah absolutely love it and it is an honor to be on here thank you so much for having us on and now some recommendations yeah, thank you guys. It's been so much fun do you want to kick off will well um our channel we talk about a lot of fantasy but a lot of historical fiction as well and so the best amalgamation is of course historical fantasy mm -hmm. and it's not out yet mm -hmm. but it's coming out at the end of june i believe the judas blossom by stephen orion and it is historical fantasy and many of the perspectives are um, senior figures in the Mongol Empire and Ooh. it is absolutely brilliant multi POV and that's often not what you see in historical fantasy but it's done here and Stephen Ryan is usually just a, a pure fantasy author so it's really interesting seeing him take a different dynamic and it's done so well and it's so immersive yeah uh, and they, it's so i was just this is another tangent we could go on for another 20 minutes but i know we gotta end this but with uh, i was just looking up some stuff on marco polo and i didn't realize he overlapped with the mongol empire kublai khan and all that mm -hmm. i'm just starting to get into some history stuff because i think the more you learn about history mm -hmm. the more it will help with your fantasy reading and if you're aspiring author and just general knowledge it's just really cool because a lot of fantasy stories get their inspirations from real events yeah definitely so, I think a key element of storytelling is that immersion, isn't it? That um, willing suspense of disbelief. And um, so much of that is you can't get darker than history. So if you like grimdark, then mm -hmm. you'll probably mm -hmm. like historical fiction. Yeah. And yeah, basically any single story you'll see inspiration from real life. I like that. It can't get darker than real history. That's, that's <laughs> sadly, very... but yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, all of it's Game of Thrones is taken from history, apart from the dragons. But uh, yeah, it's, his, right. it's history. Yeah. If dragons hey, don't, were, hey, don't crush my dreams. <laughs> and you don't know that, Ed. Maybe they did. Okay, yeah. there's yeah. Komodo dragons. So imagine what else there were. True. Hey, the fact that almost every single culture, even separated by oceans, have some kind of an uh, actual depiction of dragons mm -hmm. is curious. How does every culture who don't actually connect with each other have? visual representation of dragons also the earth is flat right let's just, <laughs> <laughs> let's just get that out of the way <laughs> uh and they, thank you again brothers but you let no, let people know where they can find you if they don't already and we'll end it with that perfect so we have a youtube channel called the brothers Gwyn. i'm called the wolf and crow over on instagram 
We are Edward Gwynn and William Gwynn over on Twitter, which, yeah, we weren't as creative with that name. Um, uh, but, yeah, so you, you basically type in Edward Gwynn or William Gwynn on any social medias and you'll find us there. Or type in John Gwynn and then our Look faces up his might pop up as well. <laughs> yeah. That's our best well, we'll name. Have, we'll have your channel in the description. We'll go, go check him out. Cheers, guys. And uh, we'll, we'll see you all later. Make sure to catch us in the next one. Thanks have so much, guys. Truth and courage. Truth and courage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.